You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, listeners. We're back with another edition of This and That. You are listening to Brenda, better known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are back, like I said, with another edition of our eclectic podcast, where we talk about everything that's anything. Today is June the 8th, 2019. And this is episode number, what, 19? 19. And we continue to get listeners from all over, both in the U.S. and also international. And we are always grateful for everybody that takes the time to listen to what we are talking about. And that includes shout-outs to those in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Jacksonville, Florida. Fairmount, West Virginia. St. Louis, Missouri. And Buffalo, New York. That's here in the U.S. Going overseas, staying in the uh, Western Hemisphere, though. We've got Chilecito, Argentina. Mount Pearl, Canada. And Santiago, Chile. So again, shout out to all our listeners. And thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've been listening to us since day one, we are very, very happy that you continue to follow us. And if this is your first time, don't let it be your last. Now, David, where can people listen in to more of This and That? They can find This and That episodes on our home base SoundCloud. We're also available directly from iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, and they can also listen to the podcast on Alexa voice-assisted devices. And if they're listening in and they want to make a comment or ask us a question or give us suggestions, whatever, where can they email us? They can send email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this the letter N, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And we will get that email, and who knows, we might even uh, read it during our This and That podcast recording in here, Podcast Land Studio. Now, if um, somebody wants to be added to our email distribution list, can they get added? They can. Just mention the email distribution list in the uh, uh, subject line, so just say something like add to email distribution list. It's that simple, and they will get added. Yep, it's that simple, and And, as David mentioned, what else were you going to say? And and for those who are new to this, um, our email distribution list is another way folks can get um, notified when a podcast is out, and then also in the future we will be doing uh, some fun things with those loyal listeners. Wonderful. Now, since you mentioned that we are coming to folks from our podcast land studio, what are we going to talk about today while we're here? Well, we're going to give an update on the uh, Dayton tornado or tornadoes that hit uh, around Memorial Day. Uh, We'll also be talking about, um, again, the Mueller report specifically, what's in it. Yeah, you just can't get away from that. No, uh, apparently not. And also, a return of our We Didn't Make This Up segment. We will talk about um, a new internet challenge that just hit the wires this week. This all sounds interesting. Updates and a little bit more. Oh, plus our words of wisdom, of course. Of course. Updates and a little bit more. So why don't we go ahead and get started with our podcast number 19. Congratulations from this and that to the graduates of 2019. 
on Memorial Day, the evening or the nighttime, um, we had some very devastating tornadoes that came about in the southwest Ohio area, did we not? Yes, um, as we spoke on um, episode 18 with WLWT Chief Meteorologist Kevin Robinson, he told us that there were 20 tornadoes that came through this part of the state during that um, that tornado outbreak in the evening or and, late night. And how many has been determined after all the damage assessment that's currently underway? Um, st still 20, 21 for the entire state of Ohio. I'm, I'm trying to run down where this, this other tornado actually hit. Like we said to um, Chief Meteorologist Robinson, wow, that was a lot. Uh, exactly. So what has been the damage assessment so far? Uh, the damage assessment is still ongoing. There are no, nobody's talking about dollar amounts, not even any kind of estimate. Um, there's unprecedented amounts of debris that have been hauled away. We're talking so far uh, thousands of truckloads of debris that have gone to uh, essentially various landfills and the like. The city of Dayton has actually opened up a um, I, I guess where there used to be a mire, it's shut down, so that whole mire and parking lot is now dedicated to the city of, of Dayton picking up debris. Did and you say thousands of truckloads of debris? Yes, thousands of truckloads. Like I said to um, Chief Meteorologist Robinson, wow. Yes, and that debris is, and I say only, from roads and sidewalks so far and what people have put out in their curbs and in front yards it does not they have not even touched um like side streets alleys uh backyards things like that they haven't even done that yet because they know dayton power and light's still going to come through and and cut through trees and do a whole bunch of other stuff that will cause more debris in people's backyards they're going they're waiting for that before they even begin those type of cleanups. And in places that are really, really hardest hit, that doesn't even count the debris because those folks, like in some areas, um, they had uh, like one area, I think it might be Beaver Creek. If not, it's the um, um, Trotwood. They have like a private company that they, they use for like snow re removal and a whole bunch of other stuff. So there's, these numbers do not count folks like that that are hauling things away for some of these communities. This is so, just the city of Dayton um, municipality workers. So am I hearing what might be like what happened down in Florida where, you know, 10 plus years ago, people are still living in FEMA trailers from the hurricanes down there? Are we looking at the same kind of thing? Plus in Katrina and everything else, yes. So, so you're, wow. Yes, you're looking at you're looking at multiple years, and, and everybody, nobody's trying to sugarcoat this at all. You're looking at multiple years for for a lot of this area to to get back to what it used to be. And as as you know, and I know from the south, a lot of times these areas never return to normal at yeah, all. And They've, that's pretty much what happened with some hurricanes down in areas of Florida. Right, and you don't have to go back down to um, some of the hurricanes of the, the, the 90s. You can just look at the, um, the, the hurricane from, from last year. There are whole swaths of, of um, Panama City and um, other, other beachfront area that still look like you know, a bomb was dropped on it yesterday, and it's been you know, almost a year now. So that, unfortunately, these areas in, in southwest Ohio are, are looking at something similar to that in a lot of ways, and to Katrina as well. Well, the miraculous thing about the uh, Dayton tornadoes of 2019, very minor loss of life, a lot of devastation in terms of houses destroyed, buildings knocked down, that type of thing. But when it comes to human life, very few people 
lost life or were injured. Exactly. In fact, I only know of two fatalities. So for those who were able to um, basically, no pun intended, weather the storm, uh, they relied on their cell phones. Yes, and, and, and um, uh, again, the, the chief, Kevin Robinson, mentioned this as well, that, the, that it, just anecdotally, people he talked to in the area said that they, they were getting those cell phone warnings and it's the middle of the night and so on. But if you were in the city of, of Dayton, you especially needed to get, you know, cell phone warning or, or you know, got to kind of go old school, know whether radio, radios still work. Why is that? Uh, it turns out that a lot of people in the city were like they didn't hear any warning sirens. And they didn't hear any warning sirens because the city of Dayton, 20 years ago, pretty much disconnected their system. And uh, because of operating costs, they, they stopped um, maintaining it and the like. You're kidding me, right? No, I'm deadly serious. They turned off their sirens? Yes. They basically, they said that they were antiquated. They were put in for the Cold War initially because you got Wright Pat and everything else. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of cities, you know, during the kind of duck and cover days, put in, and if you don't know what that means, you're listening to this, go Google duck and cover. I'm not going to cover that right now, no pun intended. But, um... They, they put those in because of the Cold War to, you know, as air raid sirens, and then they converted them in the, um, in the 70s into, you know, um, um, tornado sirens, that type of thing. But by the time of the 90s, sometime in the 90s, they were, you know, old, falling apart. They couldn't find, um, this is what they, they've said, the city manager and, and the mayor um, have, have basically said the, the folks back then, the reason why they made the decision 20-plus years ago, and they stand by that decision still today, is that it was take forever to maintain and the like. Now, um, tons of money to maintain, and they could not justify it. Well, now, I think now they can justify it, and they may want to reconsider their um, earlier decision and turn those cell, not cell phones, but turn those um, sirens back on. Well, they're not going to. But what if the what if the cell phones towers had been knocked down? Well, this is a crazy thing because the mayor, um, Nan Whaley, uh, was asked about this by reporters once reporters found out. And her, in part, part of her answer was that, you know, you know, small communities can have sirens, large communities can't because of the cost and whatever. And I heard that, or read that rather, and it makes no sense, because here where we are, Butler County, which is a huge expanse, we've got sirens all across Butler County, Hamilton County, where Cincinnati is, tons of sirens that are there. So I don't understand what she's talking about, as far as large municipalities can't have sirens. That doesn't make any sense to me. That, And they still claim that it would cost too much money, they'd have to you know, um, justified on the grounds that um, they, they have to upgrade the system and everything else and, and it costs, would cost too much. Now, they can't give me an estimate, which tells me they haven't really looked into it because they haven't said, oh, it costs this much and our operating budget is blah, 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 blah. They haven't really looked into it. They're just knee-jerking not doing it and they're saying, oh, you know, the, the, the weather... The weather folks on TV did a great job warning, and you know everybody gets you know if you got smartphone, you're getting warning through the smartphone, so they really don't need to do anything. But like you said, if a cell tower, and, oh, and the other another thing she said was, the sirens rely on electricity, and of course tornadoes can knock out power lines and everything else, so there wouldn't be electricity anyway to go to, to the the, the sirens. But of course. There are these things called backup generators. There's a whole that, that that is just such a fallacy on a lot of grounds. Nobody should have, by that logic, nobody should have warning sirens. And that gets to what you were saying. By that logic, you can't rely on the cell phones because cell towers could get knocked down and you know a whole bunch of other things. Well, Dayton kind of skated by this time. Next time they yeah, may the not city be itself. so lucky. So I think they should reconsider turning off their sirens. But in the meantime, what are some other um, damage uh, concerns 
that folks nearby should have? Well, um, for the folks that are up there, their, their biggest thing is just uninhabitable houses. There's a lot of housing that is just um, um, not fit for, for, for human beings to live in. So they, they're having to, to deal with that with shelters and a whole bunch of other things. So that's like an immediate concern right there. And they, they seem to be handling that well in the community. These communities have come together and helped out folks. So you don't, you don't see a bunch of tent cities. FEMA still hasn't given any money, so there are no FEMA trailers, to your point anyway. And, and, and folks seem to be, be fine. Um, and I put that in quotes, fine in, in the large part aggregate. I'm sure there are lots of people who, who would take issue to what I'm saying, but in the, given the devastation, that they're, they're not people clamoring as they were with Katrina as to where we're going to stay and, you know, st you know, squalid conditions in stadiums or shelters or things like that. That's, that's not a concern per se. But individually, folks, there are folks who have literally lost everything and have nowhere to stay without the help of the communities there. Right, and now, I've heard there was river contaminations. Yeah. Now, which is not too surprising because you have these tornadoes. There are 20-something of them. So they're throwing around um, all sorts of contaminants into the river. And, of course, remember the um, pump stations for the Dayton area and uh, Montgomery County both of them were offline because um, uh, for a variety of, for a variety of reasons they were basically taken offline. They're back online now. It took four days to get them back up and running and and get the the pressure built back up so you could actually actually pump the water because you can't just have the power. You actually have to get the pressure back, just like if you deal with a backyard hose or anything else. It's the same kind of same kind of concept. But they're back up and running now. But in, the, in that time frame, contaminants, you know, rivers flow. So things just kept flowing downriver, including uh, these contaminants, debris, and other stuff. And it spilled over into the, the Stillwater and the Great Miami Rivers and are flowing, you know, into Butler County and Hamilton County. So there's, you know, parasites. But as far as drinking water is concerned, no issues because... They'll, that stuff will get get cleaned out of out of the system by the the treatment centers in Butler and Hamilton County. But if you you know go tubing or swimming or whatever in either one of these rivers, not a good idea. And the um, Ohio Department of Natural Resources has essentially you know steered people away from that until they can get a handle on exactly what's what's what as far as those contaminants are concerned, as well as there's just debris there, and you can't see the debris right now because the water levels are so high because of, you know, all the rain. So you could be swimming along and something, you know, <laughs> something that shouldn't be in the river can come along and, you know, boom, hits you, cuts you, whatever, which is never, and, and because of the contaminants there as well, that would be compounded. Well, for certain, folks need to be careful whether they're in or around the Dayton area, uh, because this is something that should be concerning to all of us. But in the meantime, it is wonderful to see and hear how people are coming together to help each other, um, to work together to get their areas where they live cleaned up and habitable again. So um, continue to listen. There'll be more to come on this topic. Okay, David, time to drag you back into another topic that you just can't seem to get away from. Yeah, so I, I quoted... Um uh, Al Pacino is Michael Corleone. I incorrectly said last week Godfather. It really was Godfather 2, which was actually better than The Godfather. And where he, he, as Michael Corleone said, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And that's how I feel about this topic. So exactly where are we at with the Mulder Report? What exactly does it say? Yes, and that's, that's what I want to cover because I'm getting sick and tired 
of hearing, seeing, and reading all sorts of people saying incorrectly stating what the Mueller report says. Oh, I thought and you were that's getting, on all I, sides. I thought you were getting sick and tired of them saying the Mueller report. <laughs> no, they, they've gotten over that, surprisingly. They've gotten over that. So the, the catalyst for this, the trigger for me, was Robert Mueller, who has, because of the way the there's no more independent counsels, there's a special counsel law, he resigned from the Justice Department and went back into private practice, and he gave kind of like his farewell address, as I will call it. And all sides have seized on this for their own purposes, and it's just irritating to me. So I'm going to get into, in this episode 19, what exactly is in the Mueller report? What does it say? So are you going to do a Joe Friday? Yes, I'm going to do a Joe Friday, Just the Facts, ma'am, synopsis of the reports. And, again, and for those who don't know who <laughs> Joe Friday is. Well, Dragnet it was a TV show in the um, 60s. Very, very good yeah, show. Yeah, so Google it, watch an episode, you'd like it. But anyway, yeah. do your Joe Friday impersonation. Well, I'm not going to try and speak like Joe Friday. I'm just going to do the synopsis. And I'm going to keep this, like I said, high level, the facts. I'm not going to spin this or characterize it as everybody and their mother and brother are doing. So I'm going to break this up into two parts. As those who've listened to the podcast know, there are two parts or volumes to the Mueller report. Volume 1 deals with the reason why the investigation was started in the first place, which was looking into um, Russian interference in the 2016 election and answering the question, are there or were there ties to the Trump then campaign for president? In other words, were they a bunch of traitors dealing with the Russians in order to steal the election from the American people, just to get real and put it in plain language. That's what the Mueller, Mueller investigation was about. So that's volume one. Volume two's come about because as part of volume, uh, while the investigation was going on, there was behavior specifically by President Trump that needed to be documented. And I will get into that. I won't steal thunder on it. All right, so start talking about Volume 1. Okay, Volume 1. These are just the facts. Details are in the reports. All right, Volume 1. Stated as fact, Russia, the country of Russia, official Russia, not individuals, the government, sanctioned all the way up to Putin per the intelligence community of the United States, which is like 17 different agencies. They have no question that Putin made the final call on this stuff. They interfered in the U.S. election, presidential election in 2016. Initially, they were doing that just to hurt Hillary Clinton. Then it became specifically to help the Trump campaign. So Putin didn't like Hillary, huh? No, he didn't like Hillary because Hillary didn't like him. Hillary Clinton specifically spoke out against Putin in Russia, gave speeches as to why he shouldn't be elected again, and so on. And um, Putin didn't like that, and he never forgot it. And of course, so, Trump welcomed the help. Yes, that's kind of like finding number two. The Trump campaign welcomed the help, and after the fact, when questioned about this stuff, people on the campaign repeatedly lied about the fact that they welcomed the help. And some folks went to, to jail for lying to, because you can't just lie to federal investigators. And so there were some people who went to jail for lying to the federal investigators about the fact that they were willingly talking to um, the Russians, essentially. So the lying got in the way of the um, fact-finding mission of the Mueller folks. Not that lying of people who go to jail because then you have leverage. There's all sorts of other lies that, and this is where people get it, get it twisted. Not, not every, there's lie and then there's lying to investigators, lying to Congress, then there's perjury. These are not, the law does not see these as the same things. 
If Why not? They're all lies. If, but if you're lying about something that's not a material fact, it doesn't matter. That's, they can't charge you for that. If you go, go in and you start talking about the, the moon is made of cheese or the sky is purple, you know, you, you took the, the L train or whatever, and it has nothing to do with the investigation, they can't just charge you for, oh, you lied to us. You lied and said you took the L train to come here and we know you, you drove your car. Big whoop. Nobody cares. It's like that you can't, see what I mean? Those kind of, and those are the kind of lies. A lot of people are telling lies like that that are not prosecutable. They're not legally lies, perjury, etc. And that stuff got in the way of the investigation. You have to read the report to understand this, and I'm not going to get into details yeah, because we'll, we'll never end this thing. Don't get into details <laughs> because we want to end this podcast. But, but, but the lies did get into the whole underlying question of was the campaign in cahoots with the Russians? Meaning, was there, you know, were they doing some sort of quid pro quo, this for that, uh, meaning the Russians would say, gee, we'll get Trump elected, and then what are you going to do for us? And it's like, oh, well, we'll get rid of sanctions or something like that. There's no evidence. They never found any evidence of that. But also because of the, the lies and the obfuscation, they never could dig into stuff as much as they would like to in certain areas. So and bottom so, line, the Mueller report in volume per volume one couldn't find a reason to charge computer. Conspiracy. Yeah, and legally they would say there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. They do not conclude that there was no broader conspiracy. But they, being investigators, they say they do not have enough evidence to charge for a broader conspiracy. Right. And I think it's written, in, This is now this is where I will interject stuff. I think it's written that way because there were probably some investigators who were like, these folks are dirty and guilty, and there are other folks who are looking at the facts going, we don't have the facts, and then there are people in the middle going, we can't get to from A to B completely because of these other circumstances. Because it was a team of folks, and you have to come up with a consensus kind of report okay. that everybody can live with. So well, that's why it's, that's well, why it's written the way. Here's what I'm going to say before you get into Volume 2. You would think the folks in Congress would spend some time looking at what can they do to make sure this um, type of um, interference, whether it be Russia or some other country, doesn't happen again. What can we do to beef up our election systems? Well, it's not just that. I mean, and, I, and I've said before in, in various podcasts that Volume 1, is, to me, is infinitely more important than Volume 2. Volume 1 needs to be spoken about because... A lot of the things that the Trump campaign did, oh, well, not a lot, everything the Trump campaign did with respect to this election interference is legal. It is not a crime. That's why you do not see charges come out of, well, they had this meeting or that meeting or they didn't report this or they didn't report that. Everything that they did, and you've got to read the report for details, is legal. I don't think it should be. I think there should be some kind of reporting obligation, or at least, at the very least, if you're running for an office, or if you're an office holder, you should have to report these things, and they might be a crime. So let's move on to volume two. Yeah. All right. Um, volume two, as I said, while, while, while this investigation was going on, and it, unless you have been you know, living on Mars or were in a coma or whatever, you know that President Trump... Uh, we know privately, and, and we've seen the public stuff, tweets, and you know, just him being on TV, um, worked to interfere and or try to stop the investigation. Yeah, he, he did a lot of interference, that's for certain. And that, if you're an ordinary person, that will get you into legal trouble. You can't just try and impede an investigation that's underway. You, you will uh, face the wrath of... Uh, authorities, whether it's the investigators themselves, the court, or whatever. Now, early on, because some of this started even before Mueller even, you know, found office space, he and his team, once he assembled his team, they pretty much decided day one that the president can't be indicted. Now, I'll just leave it at that. There's a whole bunch of whys and wherefores, and a lot of people 
will say, oh, that's just a, yes, he can, it's a Justice Department thing, blah, 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 blah. No. The, the whole legal basis for why people say this is the Constitution lays out that Congress has to first impeach the president. And once the president is impeached and is no longer in that office, he or she can then be subject to the law. But the whole thing is the office, not the individual, but the office is such that you have to remove the person from the office. And this kind of makes some sense because you really want to live in a country where um, the president is being, you know, has to go to court over something. You know, that's, just think about how dysfunctional that would be. So to make sure I am following correctly, he can't be indicted now. While sitting as president. While sitting as president. But if he does not get reelected, or even if he does get reelected, but after he's out of office, he can be. Absolutely. And this is why this week it came out that in a private meeting with some of her, her leadership, Nancy Pelosi said she doesn't want to impeach the president. She wants the president, um, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing here, indicted. Um, and that's where that stems from because she knows once he's a private individual, there are probably state governments, forget the feds, there are probably state governments like New York State or others who will, if he loses the election, or whenever he's out of office, 12.01 a.m. after, you know, after the other person is sworn in, he could get, you know, handed an indictment and, you know, have to do the perp walk and everything else and then go to trial and so on over a whole bunch of, you know, charges found off or, you know, stemming from the Mueller report or somewhere else. Who knows? Well, that, that could be in President Trump's future, but... That's the future. That's the future. What about... Possible future. Now. Um, for now, can't be indicted. So they decided, since the president cannot be indicted, um, that they would simply, they, Mueller and his team, would simply collect evidence regarding possible unlawful interference with the investigation. And that is my phrase, um, because people like to throw out this obstruction of justice and so on. Um, there's interference with investigations that can happen and it's not obstruction of justice and it's still unlawful. So it's really unlawful interference with various investigations. Maybe it's obstruction of justice, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not even unlawful. But they, were, they collected the evidence and there are specific instances of which they collected evidence. But they did not investigate these incidents. There are 10 incidents. They did not investigate these incidents. They did not delve into them. They did not, you know, really, you know, talk to witnesses, try and contradict stuff. They, they gathered a lot of information because a lot of it happened in public and um, a lot of it came up tangentially because it was relevant to other things they were talking about. But by investigating, I mean, they didn't gather a whole bunch of facts, come up with some, some working theory find out if the working theory is correct or not, and so on and so forth. They didn't do any of that because they knew at the end of the day they couldn't indict uh, the president. So, so what's Congress going to do now? Well, that, that's kind of jumping ahead. So they collected that evidence, and Congress is, you know, an Article One power. They are the folks who can take up that evidence, or not as the case may be, but they can take it up, invest, follow through, do other investigations, follow whatever leads, and then decide... Does this rise to, you know, quote-unquote, high crimes and misdemeanors, which is, you know, a very vague, I think purposefully vague and nebulous phrase in the Constitution, and then um, um, launch an impeachment inquiry? Because this is the theory of how this would work. They, Congress would look at that in a perfect world. They would take up this evidence. They would do investigations, whether they're open or closed door or some combination. Then they would decide... Does this rise to the level of impeachment or not? Open up an inquiry about that impeachment and then at, you know, figure out, do they continue with it? Draft articles of impeachment, which is kind of like an indictment, and then vote on it. And then, and then you know, if, there's, if the, the president doesn't get indicted, he gets impeached. But an impeachment is kind of like a constitutional indictment of the president. That then jumps to the Senate. The Senate would have the trial. 
So again, and I, I lay this out, I forget which podcast episode, because people had asked, you know, how does impeachment work? And so for those who missed that, here's a short synopsis of it. So if impeachment, that indictment happens, action jumps to the Senate. The Senate then is a trial. Um, they become like the, the judge and jury, so to speak. Well, actually, no, just the jury in, in some cases. The, the chief justice and others are, are the judges. And they either will vote to uphold the impeachment or not. They will acquit the president. And that is in constitutional language. Either They either follow through with that or the president is acquitted. Now, if the president, if they say the president should be impeached, i.e. removed from office, the impeachment should stand and go through, it's still not over. The Supreme Court then it's kind of like an appeal process. It's like an immediate appeal. The Supreme Court will look at this and go, because this isn't legal, this is, you know, it's legal in the constitutional sense, but it's not legal in the law and order sense. They're going to look at this and go, should this stand or is this just too political? And they got to agree that, yeah, this process was fine and everything else. And then the president's removed. So we got to go through all that. Before well, the president is even removed. Well, if and that's me, why a lot of people say, live in the real world, that, that ain't happening. It's not even going to get past the Senate. Well, and that's what I was about to say. If you ask me... Given what we know today. The House is probably going to follow through, and they're going to say, yeah, let's, do impeach, let's impeach President Trump. And that is going to cost them in the 2020 election. But that's just me. I think they're going to get voted out if they follow that path. Because when they go to the Senate, I don't think they're going to have enough votes to vote President Trump out to say, yes, impeachment stands. So I think the Democrats better be very careful about what they want to do uh, because it may cost them some seats in 2020. But that's just me. I'm not a political junkie, so that's just me saying what I think is going to happen. Well, I'm, I think they'll go down the path of impeachment inquiry, but I, I'm still skeptical that they will actually impeach the president for some of the reasons that you state. Um, and also, I, I, I think they, they want to defeat the president. Those, those folks who have cooler heads, let's how we say, want to impeach the president, not impeach, they want to defeat the president at the ballot box because they know, looking at the polls, the president has a 90%, 90% approval rating amongst Republicans. And I know this is hard for, for people to believe, especially people who really, 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 really hate Trump. But he has a 90% Come on, you got to add at least 10 more rating. to that. 90% approval rating among Republican voters. That's why I said... Let that sink in and marinate. So we're a long way he's, away. He's not going to be voted out. Long way away. Uh, not given what we know. Because, again... I mean, something drastic has to happen. Before the next election. And, and this is where I, I know, like, next week, this coming week, the Democrats are going to trot out John Dean. And for those who don't know, John Dean was Richard Nixon's White House counsel. And he was a very corrupt individual. Um, and, and I'll just leave it at that. You can Google, look through history books, whatever. He went to jail. Don McGahn, who was Trump's White House counsel, is clearly not a corrupt individual, did his job told the investigators, we know what we know in the, in the Mueller report. Almost all the bad stuff is because Don McGahn spoke for 30 hours. That's where it came from. So it's no, there's no kind of comparison. But that's also a counter-argument that the Trump folks say. They say, see, we didn't hide documents, we didn't hide individuals and all this other stuff, and this is the best, this is the best shot they took, and now they want to redo. That's their, that's their argument. We let them do all this stuff and take a shot at the king. The king didn't even get grazed, as far as, and as far as Trump's concerned, he's exonerated by the report, which is not what the report said, if people have been listening to the podcast. 
So we'll have to see where this goes. Yeah, we'll I, have to see where this goes because unfortunately, I think it's I bet not over you yet. You are going to be <laughs> saying that line from The Godfather again to and again. again. They're gonna keep bringing you back into this. You can't get away. So don't think you're not gonna talk about this again because you will, and you enjoy it. I know you do. But I do have one last question for you. What's that? Do you think there's going to be a book by Muller? No. He's no. not going to write a book? No. He's it not could that, be a bestseller. He's not that kind of person. He's not that kind of person. And, again, this is one of the things where people couldn't pronounce his name, even though he'd been FBI. The man was FBI director for 12 years. He and before should, that, he, he was well-known in Washington. Book. He's not that kind of individual. Well, okay, He's somebody, Marine, somebody needs to write Purple a book Heart recipient, after talking Star to him. Star recipient. He's not there that. He's there a needs, straight arrow. There needs to be He doesn't book. even want to testify in front of Congress. And he's already told him. He, he, and I could see him in front of Congress, and his answers are going to be, refer to page such and such in my report. Okay. Refer to this in my report. We're going to wrap the segment up with me saying <laughs> he's not, he needs to write a no, book. No, he is not James Comey. He's not like these other people. He, he really isn't. I'm going to say it again. He needs to write a book. It would be bo- it would be a boring book. Well, if he doesn't write a book, I hope he gets a dog. <laughs> he probably has one already. Gotta talk to somebody. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. All right. In the We Didn't Make This Up category, there is a new challenge internet challenge there were youtube videos earlier this week that went viral and that challenge is the vacuum challenge aka the trash bag challenge what yes what <laughs> you did, heard me. what did you say the vacuum challenge also known as the trash bag challenge and in the uk it's called the bin bag challenge and what exactly is this challenge? Um, it, in, it involves one person climbs into a large plastic bag, and they've been using trash bags, sometimes contractor-sized trash bags. And it's, it's usually a trash bag, garbage bag, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you tuck your knees into your chest close to you, and then a second person you know, ties you up in there, sticks the vacuum cleaner hose into an opening, and then they suck all the air out of the trash bag okay. so that you're actually kind of uh, shrink-wrapped. All right. Here is what I'm going to say to this. Really? Yes. <laughs> and the people tend to... It looks like they're wearing very skin-tight, you know, latex leather kind of... Think, um, you know, think, um, Batman from the '60s, Catwoman, cat suit kind of suit. It's really, really tight, and they okay. usually f- end up falling over because they they can't maintain balance because they're so this, shrink wrapped. This is dangerous. Uh, yeah. Experts have warned that this could lead to uh, cerebral hypoxia, where if you have a decrease of oxygen supply to the brain, despite adequate blood flow, uh, bad things will happen. You could have strokes, you could have long-term effects, could kill kill brain cells, you know, and so on. Like and I said, this is dangerous. Why would you do that? I don't know who came up with this. And actually... Are you that boring? Is your, is your life... Do you need... Read a book! And actually, this... Doing Listen this... some music! Actually happened a few years ago, but it didn't catch on. For some reason this week, it, it's, it's, it's caught on and gone viral. But it wasn't invented yesterday. It's actually a few years old. You, if you actually research on YouTube, you'll find people, you know, several years ago that, that did this. Um, this now... Is, this is really dangerous. <laughs> and I hope folks will not what's, do this. What's sad about this is, when you, when you look at a lot of the videos that are out there on YouTube and Instagram, it's parents doing it to their kids. And we're talking small children, tweens, you know, things like, you know, anywhere from, looks like to me, 8 to 
11, 12, 13. There's like tons of videos. I mean, like there this. are they hate there their kids, are, I think. there are different there are other ways to um you know, challenge your your, your kids or challenge yourself. You don't have to do something this dangerous. And what I think the folks there are a few where people have the bags up over their heads like a hood. They still have their face open, but most of them it's up to their neck. But again, when you suck all of the air out, you're putting pressure on your your carotid arteries and the like. You're cutting the the blood supply slowly off to your head. And I think that's part of what, you know, this is speculating. Because when you watch these videos, these people are really getting crazy after a while. And I think it's because the blood flow is getting cut off to their head and they're getting into euphoria. Well, and this is where the experts are like, this could lead to, you know, uh, hypoxia if you keep doing this for too long. Well, folks, we didn't make this up. This is really happening. And like we said, well, like the, the, the folks have said, um, the um, people who are the doctors and and they're able to tell you this is dangerous can be life threatening so don't do it and and especially don't do it alone there've been a few people who've done no, this alone don't do it period <laughs> whether yes. you whether you were or people but, were but doing you, it with others or doing it alone don't do it period. i agree don't do it period but there the people who are doing it alone are especially at risk of ending up Dying. People. Somebody who was there for two hours until his parents found him on the floor of the garage. People, don't do this. That one's posted online, by the way. Don't do this, people. This is dangerous. And again, we didn't make this up. No. This week's words of wisdom are a little bit unusual. Today specifically, again, um, we're talking June 8th, this is the, in 20, 2019, this is the 70th anniversary of the publication of George Orwell's 1984. And if you have not read the novel 1984, I don't care how old or young you are, you should read it or reread the novel. It is a classic, it used to be required reading in schools. I don't know if it still is or not. It should be, in my opinion. Uh, the book details the future uh, about a totalitarian state and the like. And Orwell wrote it as a warning about it's been, like a lot of things, co-opted by both sides as to it means this, it means that. But what George Orwell was trying to say was that in the West, meaning in Western Europe and the like, we need to police ourselves and be on the lookout to make sure that the tendencies of intellectuals in the West, highly educated people, and so on, is to veer towards intolerance and totalitarianism of their opinions. And that can lead to very, very bad things. And that's the whole point he's saying in 1984. So I could do some quotes in there, you know, peace through strength, blah, 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 but that's too, that's too easy and it kind of obfuscates the, the point. Let's make this real simple. It's all up to us to make sure something like a 1984 does not become reality. And there are folks on all parts of the political spectrum that unfortunately make George Orwell's um, warning prophetic. You've had totalitarianism on the right, you've had it on the left. And we need to make sure it doesn't happen again. Episode 19 of This and That is now a wrap. Absolutely. So, um, we had another good edition where we, we dropped some knowledge, and hopefully those listening in benefited from what we had to share. Definitely. Now, what are we going to talk about on our 20th 
episode of this and that? Well, episode 20 is Tech Edition number two. Oh, yeah. You did say a while back episode 20 would be another Tech Edition. Yes. You're excited about that, aren't you? Uh, of course. All of right. Course. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to wait and see what you're going to talk about <laughs> yes, on not, episode 20. Not giving anything away. Until our next edition of This and That. All the best, everybody. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.